Hello, boys and girls, and welcome. It's another episode of Hoopster Damas, Adam Shalifu, joined by Kurt Schroeder. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, not too bad, Fu. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Uh, a great weekend and uh, some very interesting stuff going on in the NBA. Uh, recorded just a few days ago with Josh, and it's crazy how much things have changed already. Some things we kind of expected to happen, some things we didn't necessarily expect to happen. Um some storylines shifting quick. Let's start with everyone knew the Nuggets were kind of dead in the water there. And it's a shame to say, but you knew that was over the second Michael Porter Jr. was going to have to be their second star. You know, the inconsistent offense and then uh, the liability at time on defense. So when he was cold, and I believe that was game two and a little stressed with the back injury that was kind of the beginning of the end some bad luck i thought that was a really soft ejection by Jokic last night what are you gonna do but r.i.p denver nuggets yeah i mean you just look historically over the past decade or so and it seems that the teams that really come out and win titles or make deep playoff runs are the teams that have multiple superstars or at least a superstar and maybe a, a star or two. And really the Denver Nuggets just had Jokic. When you have mm-hmm. Jamal Murray out for the entire playoffs, um, your second best player, he's not available. Michael Porter Jr. is essentially rising in that department, could be a star or superstar in this league, but I don't think that he's quite there yet. Right. And you have Jokic who put up some great numbers uh, for the Nuggets, but ultimately just didn't have the horses. And uh, you know Phoenix, a very balanced team, uh, and they definitely have uh, a bunch of healthy players. Uh, Aiton is a rising star. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris Paul has been a, a star or superstar, depending on where you want to throw him into those categories uh, for the better part of, you know, 15 years, essentially. And Devin Booker is a star or superstar as well. So just one of those things where Nuggets didn't have the bodies. And this isn't 2K where you can go into the settings and put the injury sliders all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. And they really missed Murray's perimeter defense too. He's turned into a pretty good perimeter defender and uh, Barton got healthy kind of halfway through that series, but it's hard to get in the mix that quickly. He's, he can be an instrumental player for them, but kind of the theme of the year for the nuggets was just injuries. Jokic was healthy. I don't think he missed a single game, you know, uh, but he's, he's the kind of player I don't know if he can be necessarily your best scorer. If he is your best scorer, you know, he needs Jamal Murray, I guess is what it really comes down to. He can score on his own, but he's so good at getting other guys going that you kind of have to have pieces around him. And so much of what they do offensively is opened up by their two man game and how, how that kind of gets guys open on the perimeter. And you have like the pick and roll with him and then the pick and pop and, uh, it creates a lot of different stuff off ball, but you take that away from them and it's just kind of Jokic and dudes. Like some of them are good. Like Monty Morris is solid, you know, and um, Porter can be such a good instant offense guy, but like Millsaps definitely old, older than balls. Austin Rivers is uh, he's always been Austin Rivers. 
you know, some games he's going to be nice, but it's Austin Rivers. It's not Jamal Murray. And then Faku is running around here, whipping passes 90 miles an hour, playing his heart out every, every night, every moment. God bless him. But it's just not enough, man. Aaron Gordon, he's not a go-get-me-a-bucket guy. He's like the perfect guy for when you have a healthy uh, Murray in Jokic because he's one of the guys who would thrive. He'd be getting more looks backdoor and stuff, but it just put Michael Porter Jr. in a position he wasn't ready for where he's got to be the second guy against, like you said, a really balanced team. And there was really never a moment in that series where Denver was even in it. What was there? Like there was never a doubt. There was never a game that was a game. Yeah. I mean, nothing really comes to mind. And, you know, to your point about Austin Rivers and Composo, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, If those are your two starting guards and you're trying to make a deep playoff run, it's just not going to happen. Like you're making all these observations about, you know, Porter and Gordon, Murray and Jokic. That's a good core. You can definitely build around that for the future. You need some more pieces. But if you're talking about elite playoff teams and making deep playoff runs and talking about a team that can make it to a finals and win a finals, this team right now, obviously with the injuries, um, was just not constructed to do that. So it is what it is. I mean, it's we, we can't rationalize and say, oh, if this would have happened or if this would have happened, um, you know, it's obviously out of our control and the Nuggets control. But frankly, the Suns were a better team, a deeper team, a healthier team, and they won the series. Yeah. And it'll be really interesting. It's a good place to kind of shift for us uh, to the rest of the West to see who they play between Clippers and Jazz. Uh, I've been very vocal about how good I think the Jazz are on this show. You've been very vocal in the group chat and in our text messages about how the Clippers are the real deal. Um, I think the best moment of those texts was something along the lines of, I've been saying it for two years and I said, exactly. You've been saying it for two years, but the Clippers did take game three. And uh, I thought you had a good little summary of that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to your point, I, I, I definitely buy into the Clippers. I think the Clippers can come out of the West. I mean, they're, they're my pick to come out of the West, as you said, the last two years, it is definitely frustrating though. When you look back and you're like, the Clippers are so much better than what they play. And you just hope that like they either play up to their competition or at times they play down to their competition. That's been frustrating, but I, I still think that they have all the pieces. It's just a matter of playing well on a night to night basis. As I mentioned, I believe it was, uh, you know, however many podcasts ago. Um, but I was mentioning that in the regular season, they led the league in three point percentage and free throw percentage. And those are critical uh, elements to a successful basketball team. And so if you have two superstars and Kawhi and Paul George, and, you know, I did not see this coming. Reggie Jackson is actually not being a bum this year, which is shocking. He's like their me. third best player. It's kind of weird. It's, it's super weird. Um, but uh, like man off the bench has been good. Uh, Kennard has gotten some more minutes as well. I think that they're trying to find a, a solid rotation to complement those pieces. Cause obviously the starting five is getting a lot of burn, but I'm just looking at it and the, the pieces are there. You just got to play well. So that's the only thing that I question about the Clippers. I don't know if it's heart or whatever it is, but I'm not going to deviate from them as long as, like I said, my criteria is you got to have multiple superstars 
and you got to be healthy and they are they're only missing a Baca right now. So I'm, I'm riding with the Clippers until they make me sound stupid again, which will probably happen, but it is. what it is. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, it, it is like the, the Clippers are kind of top heavy, but yeah, when they're at their best, they're super efficient. And uh, you know, you mentioned the three point percentage and free throw percentage. You can say, you know, guarding the three Utah is the best in the league. And so it is a very interesting series. And I honestly feel like the winner of this series goes to the finals. No disrespect. And I, I could totally be wrong. It could be the Suns. But I just feel like if the Clippers are good enough to beat the Jazz, I'd be so impressed by the Clippers, especially if they go down 2-0, that if they can figure it out, beat the Jazz, and then advance – it would be hard for me to bet against them. As far as Utah goes, I feel like. Yeah, that, that seems to be the position they like to be in when they're, they get down 2-0. That would happen with Dallas, down 2-0 against the Jazz, and they just find a way to come back. And I think another thing that needs to be brought up, too, is obviously Mike Conley is out. And mm-hmm. then we saw that Donovan Mitchell left to the locker room in the last game with an ankle injury and did come back out on the bench. But it's anyone's guess to see how, uh, I guess, severe that ankle injury is, especially a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who does like to get vertical, likes to make a lot of cuts, likes to be a guy who's like prim- a primary ball handler, but also moves well without the basketball. So it'll be see, or it'll be interesting to see uh, how he reacts to this injury. It, it, just looking at Twitter and the reports out there, it doesn't sound like it's anything serious. Um, but at the same time, you never know until you actually see him play. And the a full, fully healthy Jazz team. I think could, uh, you know, handle the Clippers, but with Conley out and then Mitchell, who knows what we're going to see moving forward that, like you said earlier in the episode, it just seems that that's the narrative in these playoffs is just who is healthy and who is able to just field a competitive club. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, really changing the dynamics of the team. When you have Mitchell, even a little hobbled, He's going to play tonight. I think they might try to run a little bit more through Ingles. And uh, Clarkson, I feel like, I don't know, he's a he's a fine playmaker, but he's – I'd almost expect them to run more kind of point forward stuff through Ingles and Bogdanovich. And so they become the X factors in the series. And if Mitchell's not able to give you 35-plus – then they're going to have to do more of that scoring too. Because the the way they won the first two games, they kind of boat raced them. You know, they just hit them with a barrage of threes. And I think Mitchell is so much responsible for the tempo of the game that if they're not able to kind of play with that same pace, that's an advantage for the Clippers. And it gives them a chance to kind of be the aggressor but that's kind of a two dog uh, show as well. So it really does get, it's a wild series. I think we were looking forward to this one all, all year and you're seeing why. Yeah. I think the one thing that stands out and I don't really want to call him an X factor because obviously a superstar player, but who are we going to get with Paul George last game? He really showed up, played well, kind of had a dog mentality in him. And you could see that he was energized and was really feeling it. And then before when they had those games over in Utah, you know, the fans were getting to him and he was getting uh, fed up with Ingles and 
it was just one of those things where I feel like with Paul George, it's all mental. So if you get good Paul George, the Clippers can beat anyone. And if you get bad Paul George, they, you know, get beat by some teams that they shouldn't be beaten by. And I say that with the regular season, obviously the, the jazz are a great club. Um, but I, like I said, hate to call them an X factor, but really for me, the uh, deciding, you know, if I, if I want to lean Clippers or lean jazz, it's which play or uh, which Paul George are we going to see here in the playoffs? Yeah, that's a really good point. And he's somebody who's taken a lot of flack too. Uh, he is their leading uh, scorer right now, 26 points per game in the series and uh, seven rebounds. Do you think the hate on Paul George has gone too far? I feel like he's, he's just so, such a polarizing figure around the internet and on Twitter. People are either constantly defending him or just slandering him. I think it's 100% justified, to be honest with you, because when he was with the Pacers, he was incredible, definitely ascending into that role where he could be a star, a star or a superstar. And then I, I don't know if people forget this, but remember a few years ago when he was with the Thunder, he was an MVP candidate. So Paul yeah. George has all the skill in the world. He's a great player. Um, I, I think that the slander is justified because he hasn't lived up to that reputation of being a good basketball player or one of the better ones in the league for sure which he is. So like I said, I don't know what the issue is. I remember last year he said that he had some nagging injuries or whatever with a shoulder. Um, haven't heard anything to that effect this year, but it's kind of, I, I don't necessarily think he's a, a mentally weak guy, but you definitely wonder with him and Kawhi when it's like, if you're that good of a talent, why aren't you guys showing up? Why aren't you guys just obliterating these teams that you should be obliterating? So Maybe, you know, his game three performance sparked him and, and we'll see what happens down the road. But no, to answer your question, like, I think it's hundred percent justified when you're that good of a player. Him and Kawhi actually both averaging exactly 26 points per game. But yeah, I mean, that's the responsibility he has. People always kind of, or not always do, but I've seen the comparisons of the build of this team to the nineties bulls. And so, you know, Kawhi's Jordan, Paul George is Pippen. And I've always liked that Paul George, Scotty Pippen comparison just because he's such an athletic defender and especially in his younger days, he reminded me of uh, just some, some of the highlights I'd seen of Pippen jumping passing lanes and stuff and starting a fast break. And Kawhi is the one who's just kind of in control and he's not a flashy playmaker like Luka Doncic and stuff, but he really is able to see everything and create for his teammates so well. I just get concerned that after those guys, and, and don't get me wrong, like those guys might be enough to get it done, you know, because they, they're going to take so much attention from the defense. But after that, it's like Reggie Jackson, Batum, Canard, uh, as you said, is playing a little bit more. So Another Morris X, X, well as well. Yeah, yeah, Morris is solid. And so then it really comes down to which role players are going to show up on the road for either team. I think that the Jazz have the benefit of having more role players and more interchangeable ones. Yeah, I mean, you brought up Clarkson, and it's it's very interesting because he's such a spark plug off the bench, but at the same time, he shoots a relatively low percentage yeah. for someone who – scores as much as he does. I think he's around 42% during the regular season. So he's going to get you points, but I guess at what cost? So it, yeah, we'll see what happens. And I don't want to put 
uh, Kawhi and Paul George in the same category as Pivot and Jordan, obviously, obviously, but they're uh, two of the most elite two-way players in the game, offensively yeah. and defensively, of course. So, like I said, I I don't dislike the Clippers. I just it's are they going to show up? Or are they not going to show up? Yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out because if this goes back to Utah tied up, I don't know who's got the momentum there, but it would kind of feel like the Clippers. Yeah, I would. I mean, just right now, uh, as we enter game four later, um, Clippers in seven, which would obviously mean a, a win in Utah. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking Utah in seven, but, and I've been vocal as hell about Utah being a, a team I think could legitimately win the NBA championship, but I can't take anything away from how good. Well, how much potential this Clippers team has. It, at their best, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are able to take over a series. Whether or not we're going to see them both play at that level is to be decided. Uh, the Jazz have a lot more depth. And even if someone like Mitchell or Conley are out, they have so many more uh, stabilizing playmakers where you don't have to rely on just one guy as much as the Clippers have to rely on Kawhi. And that makes it, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit of an advantage for the jazz, not just in this series, but that's one of the reasons they have a legit chance at winning the finals, which is a great transition as we move into a team that is getting bit by the injury bug pretty badly right now. And, uh, we're looking like a lock for the finals, but now all of a sudden <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets down to just Kevin Durant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I said this a while back where it's like the only thing that can derail the Nets is the Nets. Yeah. Um, I did not think that was going to be injuries. I thought it was going to be locker room chemistry. But as I said about the, uh, the Denver Nuggets, if you need multiple superstars or stars, and right now with the Nets, it's like you said, it's literally Kevin Durant and maybe Joe Harris, maybe Blake Griffin. Like when, when I was watching that last game, uh, Nets and Bucks yesterday, um, obviously I mean, good on the Bucks part, but they're tripling Kevin Durant. And it's like, you know, as they should, you don't want to get yeah. burned by him. But at the same time, it's like, God, who do you kick it to? What do you run? Like you can't just have, KD run ISO ball the, the entire game, but at the same time, like there's not a lot of spacing. There's real, like no threat out there. And Blake Griffin is not Blake Griffin of the Clippers or Blake Griffin of the first year he was in Detroit. Like he hasn't been healthy and it just, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's an injury that. I think he's just not- older, you know, like he, he's a guy who is so reliant on his athleticism that, in a lot of ways, like this is the smartest he's ever been as a player. And that's why he's a really nice piece for them because he knows exactly how much space he needs to shoot. He sees the floor super well. He's turned into a really good defender. He's done a great job on Giannis, but yeah, he's just not Blake Griffin of old. He's not the guy jumping over cars anymore. He's the guy who's like, Oh, did you see that? That was like old Blake. That was cool. And then you're like, all right, he's going to go nine points and four rebounds. But well, potential to go 20, right? 
Yeah, I mean, they need him to go for 20. He's not a true number two on a team that's going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, especially, too, when you look at the Bucks and the way that they're constructed. Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, uh, P.J. Tucker has played some good minutes as well. Yeah. So this is a, a healthy and historically underperforming Milwaukee Bucks team, but they're not a bad basketball team by any means. And I think that that is something that maybe people overlook is like, oh, you know, Milwaukee's not that great and the, and the Nets can figure it out where it's like, well, if you just have Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, and uh, a Blake Griffin who is not even what – 50% of what we used to see Blake Griffin do, then yeah, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, PJ Tucker, Brooke Lopez, uh, I know Pat Connaughton has had his moments. Like that's good enough to beat the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And Joe Harris is similar to the guys who were talking about that Jazz Clippers series. It's really so important right now with all these injuries across the entire landscape. How are you going to play on the road? You know, Harris, I think at one point in that, game yeah i'm pulling up the stats here he was one for 11 yeah uh the first two games in the series in brooklyn he's seven for 11 then five for 12 and then three and four he's one for 11 and three for eight and so this guy i believe had the best three-point shooting percentage in the nba this season yeah 47.5 percent just ridiculous and then in this series on the road it's been horrendous at home. You know, he's putting up Joe Harris numbers, 55% at the five and nine, you know, but also the defense is going to be able to focus on him a lot more. And he was someone, someone who got a lot of open looks because of the way the defense had to focus on Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And it almost makes them, they're going to be predictable no matter what these superstars are going to dominate the ball. It's not a matter about knowing what they're going to do. It's more about like, how do you stop that? You know, but I guess we're going to see, you know, this will be Kevin Durant's opportunity in a roundabout way to kind of prove the haters wrong that say he can't, you know, carry a team. Everyone wants, wants to see this heroic. Oh, he put the team on his back, man. Everyone was, everyone was hurt in LeBron James in a pile of corpses you know, came back and they want to see Kevin Durant do that. And I don't know, man. I think the Bucks. you don't have Kyrie Irving, you don't have James Harden. The Bucks are going to be able to take care of those role players and Kevin Durant can't do it alone against uh, what one time or two time defensive player of the year, one an all time historically good defender in Giannis as good as Durant is it's a five on five basketball game and he's not going to be able to do it all by himself. It's going to get way too predictable. It's not going to work against Milwaukee. Yeah. In my opinion, you need Kevin Durant and Kyrie or Kevin Durant and James Harden or, you know, all three, obviously, but Kyrie and James Harden have already been ruled out for game five. So it's just going to be, you know, KD and whoever can step out on the floor. And I, and this isn't an outrageous proclamation by any means, but it's like the Brooklyn Nets are done if they don't get Kyrie or Harden back. And even if you get those back, those guys back in any capacity, what kind of players are they going to be? Um, you know, Kyrie rolled his ankle, and that's not something that you get over overnight. And he was also holding his lower back, too, as he was walking off the court. So I don't know if it's just the ankle. And then Harden, he's already blown his hammy twice. So the you know quicker that you rush him back, it's, it's not going to last. At some point, it might actually pop completely. 
So yeah, you don't want that. I, I, mean, I mean, look what just, happened to uh, Demarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant in the finals a few years ago. When you're like trying to force it and you're playing hurt, sometimes really bad injuries happen. Yeah, they're just treading water at this point. I mean, I, I guess all you can hope for is that KD has enough in the tank to extend the series and give the training staff enough time to work on Kyrie and, and Harden. But, you know, if they're out for game five, the Bucks have gotten a, a solid game plan in terms of tripling KD every time that he drives or, you know, brings the ball up the court. They're like picking him up at half court with a couple of guys. And again, if you don't have the players, you don't have the players. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because we were just all about, is it going to be a sweep? Milwaukee looks horrible. But, you know, it's it's kind of a shame. It's kind of a shame. Because I want a series. I want a series. This Nets team is so fun. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, both kind of some, some strange guys. Sometimes it doesn't seem like basketball is their highest priority. But incredibly talented players. And uh, it's just a shame if injuries kind of rob us of what could be such a fun series. And I hope it doesn't wind up just being bucks and six. I, f- I feel like I'd be really surprised if that does happen. But if those guys don't play another minute in this series, then Kevin Durant is going to have his hands the most full they have ever been in his uh, career. Certainly. Um, I also think too, with, uh, with Kyrie and Harden, uh, just in terms of like the longevity of them playing, uh, you know, beyond this series or more, as I mentioned, it, these are going to be lingering issues anyway, the rest of the way for them. And I just don't think Kevin Durant has enough help and God, it sounds like I'm a KD apologist. Cause it's like, this is exactly what LeBron dealt with when he was, uh, what, 2007 with the Cavs didn't have enough help. Um, and then that first year or not first year, but when he went to the finals with the Cavs a second time and Kyrie and Kevin Love were out, he didn't have what it took to, to beat the Warriors. So it just goes to show that like, yes, even the best of the best, the guys that you really think can carry a team and play well and get you to the promised land, even they need help at times. And it's yeah. just, I, in my opinion, Kevin Durant is the greatest offensive basketball player we've ever seen. Um, in my opinion, he's the greatest basketball player in the league right now. But when you have the contracts of James Harden and Kyrie on the books, you're not getting help anywhere else. And when they go out and you see two superstars go out in the same series, of course, when the Bucks are up, or sorry, when the Nets are up to nothing and everyone is, well, not everyone, Harden was out a little bit there, but Kyrie and uh, KD are healthy. They're up 2-0. It is looking like a sweep. It's sweep. It is looking like the Nets are going to make it to the next round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. But when two superstars go down in the same round and you go from one or three superstars to one superstar and you don't have that help anywhere else, then the momentum shifts, the play uh, shifts, and it's not far-fetched to say that the Bucks can win in six. And I think that it's going to be that unless you see an outrageous performance from Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, or Bruce Brown. Yeah. And those guys are fine players. 
but like they're not good enough to beat you know Middleton and Holiday are pretty legitimate. Uh, they're stars. Yeah, yeah, and then even uh, Brooke Lopez is probably the next guy on the list. Like I'd take Brooke Lopez probably over Blake Griffin or Joe Harris, wouldn't you? Or about that caliber. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably interchangeable. And I think it just depends on who you get. You yeah. know, if you get, like you mentioned, Joe Harris at home is completely different than Joe Harris on the road. Uh, Brooke Lopez, an amazing defender right now. Yeah, he he's really up, turned into a great defender. I, I believe it was, uh, what, five blocks last game? And he was second team All-NBA defense a couple seasons ago, if I'm not mistaken. He's always in the right place. It, it's crazy to think that he used to be kind of a bad defender. It helps when you're 7-1. Yeah. I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, let's uh, move on to the last series here. Philly and Atlanta. And I think it's the end for the Hawks. I just, I just think that the – plain and simple, Philadelphia is the better team. Yeah, there's no way around it, especially, too, because – as we mentioned earlier, uh, I believe before the season even started, we were given projections and it's like the Hawks have good pieces. They're just extremely young. And I don't think that they've gotten uh, a little bit of wordplay there. Yeah. No <laughs> um, but uh, they, you know, have the good, have good pieces, but I just don't think that the maturity level is there. The experience is there. I still think they're a couple of years away if they keep the team as it is right now. Um, or you could just bring in a couple more pieces if you can recruit someone solid to Atlanta. I don't think it's over for them in the long term, but in this series, which is odd to say because Embiid has a torn meniscus, Danny Green has been out, so it's not like the Sixers are fully healthy either, but yeah, they just have more star power and more depth and just a a better coach team, a more experienced team. Ben Simmons is incredible. Tobias Harris has been great. And they're such a better two-way team. Yeah, they've got like some the Hawks are really good bench. offensively, but their defense is not that good. Like they have some guys who can defend, but it's like they're just a a really good shooting team. They're gonna be able to play fast, they're gonna be able to play fun, but I can't take them seriously when the Sixers can do both. <laughs> right. I agree with everything you said. Yeah. So it's going to be open and shut. Trey Young will maybe steal another game, but you're going to put Ben Simmons on him. You know, Seth Curry is going to have a bunch of open looks. And apparently Joel Embiid is healthy enough. And that's the X factor in that series is what Joel Embiid are you going to get? And it's ironic that this postseason riddled with injuries. Here's Embiid looking great. I was nervous for a second there, and this is his time to shine. And he's probably happier than anyone that the Nuggets are out. He probably hates Jokic. (laughs) Well, especially, too, with Embiid, he does have an actual injury, yet he's somehow battling through it and playing well. And I've never had a torn meniscus, uh, to my knowledge, um, in my life. But I, I imagine any sort of wear and tear and injury is not going to be good. Uh, for anyone, especially when the when the playoffs are that much more important, there's that much more intensity, and there's that much smaller margin for error. So it's it's just interesting to see that a guy who has historically not been healthy is not healthy, 
but is still playing great basketball. Yeah, and honestly, he is just incredible. I mean... Another elite two-way player. Yeah, yeah. He's averaging 35 in this series. And he's, like, got guard skills. He's just a freak. He really is such a freak. And if the Nets, you know, the Nets do get through and they're not completely healthy, they're not going to be a healthy Philly team. But it's really pretty wild to try to look at both conferences right now and how up in the air it is. It's the most up in, up in the air it's been in a really long time. I feel like people were surprised by the heat last year to come out of the East, but everyone kind of saw the Lakers getting there, but this year the Lakers are out and you have three teams who all have a pretty legitimate case to make for getting to the Western or the, I'm sorry, the NBA finals out West. And then I think you have three teams out East who you have a pretty good chance to get there too. Well, I heard a stat that was really interesting that of the teams remaining, they either haven't won titles or the last one. So if you combine all the teams that are still left, the most recent title, I believe, is 83 with the Sixers. The Sixers, wow. So I think for the sake of parity that this is an exciting season because you're not going to get the traditional teams, you know, like we've seen in years past with the, the Cavs and the Warriors always matching up or the Lakers are there. Um, you know, Celtics haven't made it um, since 2010, but just looking at the the teams that are there, they're good teams, they're quality teams. Maybe they've gotten a little bit of a benefit with some of the, the teams and guys who have been out with injury. You know, the team who wins the NBA Finals might not be the actual best team in the league. They've just been the healthiest. But I think it's nice to see maybe a Utah-Phoenix Western Conference Finals or a, a Milwaukee-Philadelphia, you know, some of these clubs that are prominent in the league and have some great players, some people that are household names and people will recognize, but they're not your traditional teams that we see every single year where we're like, oh my goodness, this is just getting old. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I hope it is Milwaukee and Utah, just because the giant middle finger to the big markets – Everything the NBA wants, all the money of like LA versus New York, but nope, it's going to be Utah against Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, invest in your training staffs. Yeah, yeah, for real. That's really what it's come down to so far. Yeah, stop paying players and play, pay people who can keep your players on the court. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, you got to write a letter to. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets right now. Um, you did mention the Celtics, so I got to pick your brain on all the action. Anyone who listens to this show knows you're a big Celtics fan. Yeah, what do you need to pick my brain about? We're talking Ainge and Stevens? Yeah, the whole situation. Uh, I have mixed feelings. I think it's it was weird um, because... If you look at Stevens and Ainge, they've done some great things. So you wouldn't think that any of any of them would be on the hot seat. Uh, having said that, Ainge said it was a personal decision to step away. Uh, Stevens also said that it was a personal decision to just get out of the coaching realm. Uh, weird that they promoted Stevens to like the de facto GM. 
having not yeah. done that before. Yeah, that that's a very thing. interesting move. It's like, hey, you're kind of fired, but also here's a promotion. Yeah, and I, like I don't think anyone questions Brad Stevens' basketball knowledge. Yeah, um, I think one thing as a Celtics fan that I was a little bit disappointed in is he wasn't very vocal. And it, he wasn't like a real raw, raw guy. So when the Celtics got down, I feel like any sort of comeback in them or any sort of dog mentality would have had to come from within from the players. He's not a fiery guy. And in my opinion, that doesn't work in Boston. When Maybe everything Doc Rivers. is... Doc Rivers was back in his players. He was getting ejected. He was shouting all over the place. And, you know, you had really emotional guys like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Um so it, I think it remains to be seen, obviously, what happens down the road. It, you know, it, it could work. It could not work. But in my opinion, and as I've alluded to a handful of times on this podcast, the, like the entire landscape of the NBA is really dependent on like a handful of superstars and where they go. And everyone else, in my opinion, is just treading water until those guys either retire or break up their super teams or other teams draft well and develop other incoming superstars like the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic. So if you're the Celtics and you've been rumored to get Anthony Davis in the past, and that never happened and you've got Kyrie, but he didn't pan out. And then you got Kemba Walker who wants out of town now because he feels disrespected and you didn't pay Isaiah Thomas, which in my opinion was a great move, but it's just one of those things where it's not like people are flocking to come to Boston. So you have some good pieces there, but are you really going to be competitive? Are you really going to win an NBA title if your core is just Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and a bunch of other guys that you kind of fill in the gaps with? I don't think so. But at the same I time, Kemba Walker wasn't even mentioned there for you. Well, yeah, he was uh, obviously hurt in those playoffs. And from what I've read in reports, he wants out after two years and he's felt disrespected. And I'm not going to disrespect Kemba Walker, but all right, go. You can't yeah. get on the court. Like, yeah, we don't exactly. need you. So he's a great player when he plays, but is, is he the guy who's going to set him over the top if he plays? No. Is he the guy who's going to derail them if he doesn't play? No. So it, it, it was a nice little project. I think it made us feel a little bit better about losing Kyrie and not getting anything for him. Same with Gordon Hayward. Um, but I, like I said, it's, there's a lot of moves that happen that in my opinion, don't really sway you know, teams, players, whatever. It doesn't really change the landscape of basketball when you still have LeBron and AD together, PG and Kawhi, KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. In my opinion, those are the three teams. When healthy, everything the Warriors changes. When, with Steph the Warriors. and Clay. Yep, Steph and Clay. And we'll see. Clay um, hasn't played in years now. Yeah. Um, and I did see a rumor out there. And as I mentioned, the Celtics seem to be involved in every freaking rumor and they only seem to get one or two pieces, but apparently they are trying to be in, in play for Damian Lillard, which I would give up anyone on the Celtics roster outside of Jason Tatum to get him. Um, and I think that Damian Lillard should get the heck out of Portland. because He's not going to ever win anything in Portland, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, we're just in this age of basketball where the players have so much control and so much power and there's so much skill. And as you mentioned, everything is very top heavy where unfortunately there isn't a ton of parity unless you get injuries and how many teams actually have a shot. If everyone's healthy, not that many. 
Hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, you just touched on like a bunch of things that I want to talk about. So I'm kind of overwhelmed to be honest. So I got to rewind one thing at a time. Uh, first thing you mentioned Damian Lillard and, uh, where my brain goes with that is we'll see if he wants out of Portland because, you know, uh, if Mike D'Antonio is, is coaching the Trailblazers, that's a very, very fun Mike D'Antoni roster. That being said, is Damian Lillard there? Like, what are they even going to do? Um, and then there's also that would Mike D'Antoni potentially uh, coach in Boston? He's going to be a hot commodity. Um so let's let's go one thing at a time. Is there a player or, or a coach rather that you would like the Celtics to uh, try to hire? Sam Cassell or Chauncey Billups. I think that those guys are veteran dudes who played well as players, have a, um, some experience in, in terms of just their basketball knowledge. I know that Sam Cassell has like a decade of assistant coach experience, and, and he was Billups, on the championship is, team too. He was. Um, and then you have uh, Chauncey Billis, who I think is just widely regarded as one of the better basketball minds out there, kind of like a Steve Nash, right? Yeah. doesn't have the, the experience, but if you've got players on a team who want to be coached by a certain guy and you can just pluck him out, um, so be it. I, I think that those two guys would be good fits. And they also were, I wouldn't say fiery guys, but definitely emotional enough to get, you know, kind of the the kick in the ass per se, yeah. you know, okay, let, let's get going here. Um, as opposed to uh, Brad Stevens, who was kind of just sitting there like that. Just looking like time. Pete Buttigieg out there the whole time. Um, yes. But yeah, you know, I think another good thing about Billups and we don't really know too much about him as a coach. He hasn't been a head coach, but I feel like a lot of the traits of a player will rub off on the team. And one of the great traits about Billups is how cool he was under pressure. And so he's a, I would imagine would be a really good late game coach. Could he'd be able to have control over the moment instead of the moment kind of controlling him. Uh, so I, I would root for the Chauncey Billups and I'm honestly really rooting for Mike D'Antoni to go to Portland just because you've seen the kind of years guys hit like James Harden and Steve Nash had have had. Uh, or even like Kendall Marshall, who randomly had a really good season with the Lakers under Mike D'Antoni, or like Jeremy Lin played really well under Mike D'Antoni. And so if you give him Damian Lillard and then all the other kind of like Robert Covington, you know, some of these pieces just scream Mike D'Antoni to me. Yeah, we should also mention that D'Antoni is interviewing, I believe today, which is where we're recording this on a Monday. Um, and then Becky Hammond and Chauncey Billups are getting interviews later in the week with the Blazers. So we'll see what happens in Portland. Um, Damian Lillard, God bless him. I think he's just loyal to a, a fault. You know, you, you have the backcourt of Lillard and McCollum, which has been there since 2013 when they were both there. Yeah. And it just it's so obvious that they just need better bigs better wings and more depth. And at times they've had the pieces and they haven't been healthy. Like Nurkic has been out. Zach Collins can never, ever seem to be healthy for whatever reason. Bust. So it's not like they don't have good bodies and competitive players. It's just, they either haven't been healthy or they just haven't lived up to the expectations. And it's like, you know, I know that Portland is like relatively close to Oakland where Damian Lillard is from, but it's like, 
if I'm Lillard and I'm, what is he now, 30? Uh, you know, just look, look elsewhere. Go win. You deserve it. But that makes Boston a better destination? I think Boston is more fit to win a title than Portland. And I think a lot of that has to do with the conference that they're in. Okay. Okay, I'll give you that then. The conference. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that the Celtics have better pieces. I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, if you if you take Damian Lillard off of Portland and you put him on Boston, what do you think Boston gives up? Jalen Brown, a bunch of picks. Maybe Kemba. Know. Well, I, I mean, if you're Portland, do you even want that guy? To be honest, uh, I, I think at this point he's it depends like if you're trying to goods. rebuild or blow it or if you're trying to blow it up or stay competitive yeah but you know if you just get Damian Lillard Jason Tatum and a bunch of other pieces I mean Jason Tatum's way better than CJ McCollum is so yeah well they're not trading they would never trade yeah Tatum yeah so I think right there you have a, a better constructed roster maybe by a little bit and then obviously having the benefit of being in the Eastern Conference where again who knows what Philly's going to be year to year Milwaukee I feel like has been on that that tipping point of like, do we blow it up? Do we run it back? Like, what do we do? And then the Nets are going to be there for the next couple of years with those big names and those big contracts and should be the favorites come out of the East every year. But yeah, if you make that move, I, I think the Celtics are more equipped to not necessarily win a title, but be more competitive than Portland ever was, especially to Portland just lost to Denver when Denver didn't have Jamal. Got their ass whooped. Yeah. So let's not think that Portland is this juggernaut that has a ton of potential i don't know they've been having you know fielding the same roster basically since 2013 and you know they made it to the western conference finals a couple seasons ago but i don't know it'd be a great fit for d'antoni uh someone who loves to spray threes and somebody who's really good with point guards but yeah at what point do you say all right we're not going to win a championship with this so it's going to be really interesting just how they approach the offseason. But I'm sure Portland does not want to trade Damian Lillard. No, and they shouldn't. And I think another thing that needs to be mentioned, too, is Portland is horrendous defensively. So I, you're right. I think that they'd be fun to watch in terms of D'Antoni's system and just launching threes because they have the bodies and the capability to do that. But they'd also but, just be a D'Antoni team that doesn't yeah, make it to the finals. You're, you're, <laughs> you're not addressing the defense, which is yeah. one of the major problems. Yeah, yeah. Just a classic D'Antoni team. Do we want it? Again, we've seen this movie. We've seen D'Antoni 1. It was about the Phoenix Suns. D'Antoni 2 was about – D'Antoni 2 was a weird sequel – about uh, the New York Knicks. It was kind of like the fall of D'Antoni. D'Antoni 2, the fall of D'Antoni. And then D'Antoni 3 was D'Antoni Rises with the Rockets. And then we're kind of like starting to see uh, rumors that D'Antoni 4 is coming to theater soon. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like they're equally as terrible. It's just going to be D'Antoni 1 and 3 again. Recycled plots. Yeah, so... (laughs) They'll be entertaining. They'll get you relatively far. Um, is it going to win you an Oscar? No. No, no. I mean, people are going to flock to the theaters. They're going to love to see it. It's going to have a lot of good special effects and action. Uh, it's going to be very exciting. But we all know how it ends. 
I, I think the, the D'Antoni series is uh, straight to DVD. That doesn't even, doesn't even hit theaters. Oh my gosh. Well, it sounds like we're just describing Fast and Furious, which is appropriate for the D'Antoni system, actually. Yeah, they're, uh, they're making another one, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's Fast and Furious 10. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've done so many bridge jumps and car chases and all these things. Yeah, it's, or is it's it like 12? I've lost count. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, do you have anything else you want to uh, touch on now that we've gotten to D'Antoni, uh, the Fast and the Furious? Uh, I, I think if I were to revise my uh, finals pick right now, I'd probably be Bucks and Clippers. Okay. Um, but again, that could change tomorrow. So who knows? Every, every I feel like everyone's getting hurt nowadays, and we, we who knows who, who we'll see down the road. This exact moment, I think I'd say Philly and uh utah we'll see six different teams could make it there the hawks cannot no (laughs) (laughs) that is the probably the safest pick left but who knows if they're young and they stay healthy even they could come out of it i don't know by default yeah who knows maybe everyone gets hurt and the hawks win it all (laughs) And I bet Atlanta would love that. Oh, my gosh. Worst case scenario for the NBA. (laughs) I mean, that was like Toronto a couple of years ago. They would have gotten waxed by Golden State if they were all healthy. And then KD goes down and Clay goes down and it's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Uh, Toronto was really good that year, but probably a six-game series. Maybe they lose in seven. I want to throw this. I don't want to hijack your show here, Adam, but I just have a little nugget I want to throw out there. I don't know how much time we have or even if you care. (laughs) In my opinion, I'm going to throw this out there. Very controversial. Maybe not, though. 2018 Golden State Warriors, the best team ever assembled. I don't think that's that controversial. Okay. I mean, some people think that the Bulls and I don't know. I mean, you said you said best team ever assembled, not best team. Okay, well, that's best team. I mean... That second finals run with Kevin Durant when they did win it. And you just look at that roster and you have an NBA finals MVP coming off the bench in Andre Iguodala, uh, David West, a healthy KD, Steph, Draymond, Clay. Um, I, I'd put that team against anyone ever assembled. And I think that they kill them. Kill them. I mean, I, I will say that I wouldn't trust like the bulls would have to play their their dudes. They would not be able to go very deep into the bench. You know, Kerr and Kukoc would have to get a lot of minutes cuz they would be essential for keeping up with the three-point shooting. And it also gets so dicey comparing across eras, right? But I do think uh obviously Jordan's regarded as the goat for a lot of reasons. But as far as pure scoring goes, like Good Lord. Steph, Clay, and KD was the most unfair basketball team since, like, the 60s. All shooting better than 40% from three. Yeah. I mean, those Bulls teams, obviously, incredible and everything. Uh, But I don't think anyone's going to fight you too hard. And if they are, they're living in the past. 
Like, yeah, I, I think that that's another thing, too, is the old players think that the old players are good. The new players think the new players are good. But I think with the way that the game is played now, when, you know, let, let's take the physicality of the 90s or whatever, I still think that KD, Clay, and Steph could murder you from three. Um, you know, would Jordan drop 40 a game? Probably. He'd be getting to the line way more often, too. But... You 50 know, a if game, they, easy. He, he if, would just if, destroy that team. If three is more than two and you got three guys who shoot better than 40% from three, I'm taking the 2018 yeah. all yeah. day. Steve Kerr would have to give you like – he'd have to attempt as many as he has Steph attempting. You know, it is weird because you look at that Bulls team and they were ahead of their time that they did have some pretty good three-point shooters. And Jordan always shot really high percentages – in the playoffs from three, especially in the finals, I think it was like above 40%, according to professor Josh, uh, keeper of all knowledge in those early nineties finals, apparently his numbers were like over 40 from three. And then um, who coaches hit some huge shots and he's ahead of his time as someone who was a, you know, big European playmaker. Now they're all the rage. And then, um, the positionless basketball Pippen brings. And then uh, Draymond Green is your Dennis Rodman, you know, the guy who's going to do something stupid, but he's also going to really help. <laughs> That'd be a great matchup because th- those two would both be playing the four. Yeah. And they would, they would actually kill each other. Probably. <laughs> like if Malone and Rodman went at it the way they did, can you imagine Draymond and Rodman who are literally, like the most annoying players of all time are Draymond Green and Dennis Rodman. Like there's other guys you might bring up. Ron Artest was kind of annoying. John Stockton was kind of annoying. Chris Paul's super annoying. But like those are the most annoying players in the history of the universe. The nut kicks would be elite. Yeah, whether it's a cameraman or an opponent. Like these are the only guys I can think of who blatantly have Oh, I don't know. Draymond's was less blatant. Maybe it's a leg kick. Dennis kicked somebody in the penis hard. <laughs> a swift kick to the groin. Not disputable. No. He was like, screw you, buddy. Whack. But for, for Draymond to argue that that was a true shooting motion is just this preposterous. Oh, the, the rebounding motion? Yeah, or, okay, re- yeah, rebounding motion when you'd go up and his leg would go all the way up and kick someone in the nuts. Like, the most unnatural thing that I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you you would see Rodman kind of do some of those leg kicks. I think it's just, like, not a very glorious thing to do. And so some of these guys, when they rebound, they're like, I'm going to pretend I'm Bruce Lee and just, fl- like, kick my legs and make it look really cool. Look at me jump up and pull down this basketball. What's the guy uh, who was on that Baylor team? Was it Torian Prince uh, describing a rebound? I mean, that's really all it is, you know? The ball came off the rim and you grab it with two hands and you bring it down and that's considered a rebound. And Yale got more of those than we did to that effect. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, We'll see. Maybe I'll put that on a Twitter poll or something. Uh, But thank you for joining us, everybody. It should be a very interesting night of basketball. 
I guess we do have to make some quick predictions. Um, who you got tonight? Uh, Clippers. And then uh, I like the Sixers to cover. I think they're uh, three-point favorites. I think they cover against the Hawks. Okay. Let me pull up the line on uh, the other oh, one. Oh, it's uh, Cl- Clippers by five, it, by the way. Clippers, you're saying win by five. No, no, no. That's the line. Wow. I think, wow. I, I don't. I don't think they cover. Um, I think the. Uh, I think the Nets make it closer than a five point game. Or sorry, not the Nets. The Jazz make it closer than a five point game. But I do think the Clippers win. Okay, I'm. I'm going Utah wins this one. Um, one twelve to one oh nine. It'll be a tight one. We'll see. Right. Uh, Philly definitely wins, and I think they cover. So, all right, folks. Uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.